Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc slash live. I hope you enjoyed this message. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look wonderful. Look at your neighbors. Say, Happy New Year. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice. Say, you look so much better than you did last year. Come on, look at them. Don't they, though? Don't they look better? They look skinnier. Come on, they look cuter. Took a shower in this new year. Awesome. Hey, we also want to welcome all of our live streamers. Church, can we give them just a big welcome here? Come on, we just want to thank you so much for joining us. So glad that you decided to tune in today and uh, make sure we're here every single Sunday. We would love to be a part of your life, a part of your family, a part of your future, and just continue to join with us. If you're ever, ever in Charlotte, make sure you come out and join with us. We'll roll out the red carpet for you, and I promise you it will change your life forever. Hey, my name is Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I here are the senior pastors. We are one church, meets in multiple locations. Today, I'm here at Central. My wife is at South End. Pastor Joel Johnson is at our mobile campus at Lake Norman, which has some exciting changes coming up. And uh, we've got a great year planned. Uh, I believe God's going to minister to you and change your life. I think today, uh, like Mike was saying, is a very important day because today is the first weekend of the year. And uh, we just believe that when you give God the first, he'll bless the rest. How many of y'all believe that? Come on, wave at me if you believe that. About half of you. The rest of you, you'll find out because you're sitting beside somebody that's going to be blessed. Come on, you better just touch them, rub them, whatever you need to do. Hey, next week we got something cool that's going on. It's called our church-wide fast. Uh, we're doing something a little different this year. We're going to do seven days. Everybody say seven days, seven days. I know we normally do a 21-day fast, but sometimes what ends up happening is we, uh, a lot of people back out or they don't participate. They say 21 days, oh my gosh, that's a lifetime. You know, it's kind of like joining the gym. You join it and then two days later you're like, ah, oh, I can't get up anymore. Well, this is a good opportunity because it's only seven days. Everybody say seven days. You can do something for seven days. You can fast for seven days. And we'll talk more about what that looks like, but um, in the message, because it fits actually in what we're talking about today. But we have some exciting things planned for you. We're going to make it very technologically easy to connect with. Um, we are going to have a big event at the end of the fast on the 19th where us as a church can gather together here at our central campus and just celebrate and worship God together as we end it. Every day, you can tune in on Facebook Live, and I'll be there to pray with you every single morning. Um, you'll be able to have some things prayed for in your own life, and, and uh, it's going to be a great time. We have a, a version app. I mean, there's so many things we can do to help you just kind of kick off this year right and, and be thinking about what you want to fast, social media, maybe fast food, maybe fast dating. Whoa, that was, that's a big one. I knew that would ca it catched in the last service, but I just, you know, I think it's an important thing for us to maybe think about, maybe just not be with him for a little while. Come on, somebody. Now, if you're married, that doesn't count. You can't do that. All right, I know, I know you're thinking, like, can I do that for seven days? No, that's not how it works. Uh, when you're married, it's till death do your part, and you can't kill him either. Come on, how many of y'all thought about it? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Come on, don't do that. <laughs> hey, we're starting a new series today called Crossing Jordan, Crossing Jordan. And I want to start with a question, a, very, a question that I want you to ponder, not only just for today. You know, I don't want you to think about this as a message 
that just is for right now, today. I want you to think about this in respect to your entire year, and more importantly, your entire life. And here's the question. Do you believe God has something better for you? Do you believe? I mean, do you really believe it? I know it's easy to go, yes, I do. But most of us, if we're honest, we grow up or grew up in the church or even if you're not involved in the church, maybe this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church, we think God's mad at us. And the reason why we're here is because we think God will be happier if we showed up today. Our grandma told us that. Our mom told us that you better go to church, boy, or God's going to get mad at you. And the truth is, is God loves you, and he really does have something better for you. And that's what we want to do is we want to kick off this year understanding, and even more than that, taking the step to cross over into the better that God has for you, the better that he has for your marriage, the better that he has for your relationships, the better that he has for your business, the better that he has for your career, for your education, for your ministry, whatever God has called your assignment, something better for you, the better that he has just for you individually. I love this verse in Philippians chapter one, verse six. Paul says, being confident, everybody shout confident. Say it one more time, say confident. Being confident of this very thing, and I love this part, that he, God, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you believe God has something better for you, you gotta realize that he's gonna complete it in you. Maybe it can start today. Maybe, maybe today could be the day where you cross over into that better life that he's called you to. When I was about 11, 12 years old, I grew up, I grew up in apartments, uh, so I had a lot of friends, Doug, Bubba, uh, you know, this is my friends. Don't, don't hate, don't be hating on my friends. Uh, Eddie Clavarius. I mean, um, these, these are, these were like close buddies of mine and we hung out, you know, when you're in an apartment complex, you had crews, you had posses, whatever you want to call them. We just hung out together. And there was one particular place that we would go, uh, called Staples Mill Pond. It was a huge pond that we spent a lot of time around. We'd fish in it, wouldn't swim in it because it was just a little dirty. You know what I'm talking about. Wouldn't eat the fish out of it, kind of like Lake Norman, you know, just you don't want to eat the fish out of there. You might die or grow an extra eye or something like that. <laughs> that was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Funny, but terrible. Um, so we would go and, you know, when it would freeze over, we'd ice skate on it. It was just kind of the hangout spot about a mile away from my house. And this was back in the day when your parents kicked you out of the house. How many of y'all remember that day? Remember those days? You had to probably be you're over 35 or so because your parents said, get out, don't come back. Just go out. When it gets dark, that's the dinner bell, come home. Otherwise, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you get kidnapped, anything like that. Didn't make any difference. Nowadays, you know, it's don't go out. Don't go out. There's crazy stuff out there. Smog and, and people will kidnap you. And we don't want you to get, get kidnapped. And we don't want you. To, and now, back then it was, you know, this was before helmets with bikes and, and, and seat belts. This was in the 70s. And so, and so we would go out and just goof off. And there's one area of Staples Mill Pond where there was a waterfall that went over. And it was kind of a hangout. You know, this was, it, it, the water went over and there was this huge sewer tunnel that was awesome because we put a fort in it and, and it was just great. However, there was one little area, so there was this, this kind of area where the water came down over top and it wasn't a whole lot of water coming over and then there was a dry area and then about a 15 foot gap 
And then this whole unexplored area on the other side. And nobody had gone over the other side. Nobody. Because the gap, 15 feet, for an 11-year-old looked like an eternity. Not to mention, down at the bottom was jagged rocks, not a lot of water down there, and you were going to do one of two things, either break a lot of bones or die, somewhere in between there. And so nobody ever jumped until one day I looked at that gap and I looked over there at what nobody had hung out with. There was a tree over there and it just looked like a really cool kind of tropical area in the middle of the city. And I'm like, I want to get over there because I think there's something better over there. And nobody had ever jumped. Now, this was one of those gaps that nobody dared you to either. Now, if you were a kid growing up, there were all kinds of dares and dog, double dog dares, all that stuff, real stuff, real, real, I mean, real challenges. Like, your reputation was at stake. I mean, this was serious business, but this gap, nobody, nobody ever dared anybody because death involved this gap. So everybody was hanging out, you know, and, and Doug was goofing off and Bubba, all that. And so I'm looking at this thing going, you know, if I get enough run, I can hit it. If I hit it just right, I could probably make it to the other side. And I was that kid that always went first in everything. You know what I'm talking about. You probably are that kid or knew that kid in your neighborhood. I was the guy that always did things first. And so, so I ran a couple times. Hit, just Okay, if I hit it right, I might not die. So I... So I, 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 nobody was watching, and I ran, and I nailed it. I mean, I hit my foot just right. I jumped. You know, I imagine it looked very epic. I'm sure everything went slow-mo. I landed on the edge, and I was like, I started to fall backwards, but I caught myself, and I made it, and everybody started clapping, like you should right now, because it was, that's, a, that's an experience. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the enthusiasm. So, and I got to explore this new area. This, this, nobody had ever been over there. All my friends were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did it. Nobody ever did it again because it was dangerous. When you decide to accept that God has something better, you've got to take a leap. It requires understanding that it is going to be a little dangerous that it is going to take some faith, that it is going to require you to jump over something that nobody else has jumped over before, your own personal Jordan River. Now, I want to talk about this in respect to the children of Israel. Now, if you know the story, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They had been in captivity and slavery for 400 years, 400 years. And Moses was called this man of God, God called him and said, hey, I want you to deliver my people out of Egypt. And they, they left Egypt and they, were, they, you know, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. They spent all this time wandering around. And, and here's the thing. They, they spent all that time. 11-day journey took 40 years because, because it, takes, it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Some of you may be your own wilderness right now. And the reason why you're still there is because there's something you need to let go of that God's trying to get you to let go of. That's why you're still wandering around in the wilderness. And so, so Joshua has taken over leadership from Moses. He, he's running the show now. Moses is dead. God had to kill off an entire generation of people in order to take them into this promised land 
which was the whole reason he took them out of Egypt, was to get them into this Canaan land, this promised land, this inheritance that God had called them to. And so we come into contact with this group of people called the Israelites, and Joshua is their leader, and they're standing on the, the edge of this river called the Jordan River. It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. Everybody say the Jordan. Jordan. Say it one more time. Say the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. Now, let's talk about this Jordan for a second because there are specific physical locations, geographical locations in the Bible that have spiritual significance. You come across them all the time. And one of those is the Jordan River. The Jordan is not necessarily some huge river. It is only about 200, just over 200 miles long. Really, it's you know, at its greatest point, maybe 100 feet across. Not really big, not really deep, only about 17 feet deep. It went down from Mount Hermon all the way down through the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea. It was like, kind of like a big creek, honestly. It wasn't that big, but the significance of it. The, the symbolism, what it represented, shows up over 150 times in the Bible. It's very different from the Red Sea. We know the Red Sea, if you never saw the movie. The Red Sea was what God parted in order for the Israelites to cross over or to walk through. And then he closed it back over the strongest army in the world, the Egyptian army. And basically separated the children of Israel, from their past life. About 20 or 30 times mentioned in the Bible, the Red Sea, over 150 times the Jordan, mentioned, the Jordan River is mentioned. Now, the sad thing is most people spend their entire lives around the Red Sea. The Red Sea represents a going out. The Jordan River represents a going into. The Red Sea represents a letting go. The Jordan River represents a grabbing on. The Red Sea represents deliverance. The Jordan River represents inheritance. And Christians today spend most of their time around the Red Sea because they're trying to work out their salvation for their entire life when God has an inheritance for you to have. And so today is the day where we leave the Red Sea and we cross our own personal Jordan. Are you with me today? Can I get an amen? So we want to make sure that we understand this difference because God is calling you to cross over into something special that he's, he wants you to do. The, the assignment, the purpose, the, the plan, the, 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 the season that he has for you. So there's some things you got to know about the Jordan. The first, the Jordan symbolizes a boundary. It's a great separator. It's a divider. One of the stories is, is King David is running from his son Absalom. Absalom wants to kill him. Wants to kill him. I mean, it's crazy how David has allowed his son to rise up and he's now wanting to be king. And, and, and the Bible says that King David crosses over the Jordan in order to separate himself from Absalom. Oftentimes in our life, the Jordan symbolizes a separator from people, from mindsets, from your past that are holding you back. Listen to me, church. Not everybody wants you to be better. And sometimes you got to leave some people on the edge of the river and go to the other side. Not everybody wants you skinnier. They like the little chubby you because it makes them feel okay about their chub. 
It makes, it makes them feel okay about their weight. And so when you start on that new diet and you start getting yourself right and you start moving forward in, in the things of God, it starts making them nervous because it puts a demand on what God wants to do in their life. And sometimes you've got to leave them and cross over to the other side so they can handle their own Jordan River. Are you following me? Sometimes you've got to let go of, of some of the mindsets that you might have. Some of those old mindsets that talked about the wilderness. The longer you're in the wilderness is dependent upon how long God has to work that old mindset out of you. You got to leave some old ways of thinking, poverty thinking, some, some ways of thinking about finances, some things, ways of thinking about church and ministry and life and, and love and relationships and, and, and all of that stuff. Sometimes you got to cross over to the other side and distance yourself from those things. It's a boundary. It's a boundary. The second thing, Jordan, represents transition. Transition. Transition from one area, one season, out of the old into the new. Out of the old into the new. The Jordan often represents a transition from the old you to the new you. From not connecting with God's purpose to connecting with his purpose, even if it's just a little bit. My favorite story about this is the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. And I may preach on this in a couple weeks. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. Elijah was his mentor, a great prophet, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. And Elisha knows that Elijah is going to die. And he wants to get something from Elijah. He knows that there's something he needs to get from him. And in the process of a day, Elijah says, hey, hey, I need to go down to Bethel. And, 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 and you need to stay right here, Elisha. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. Wherever you go, I'm going. And he follows him down to Bethel. And then they get to Bethel and Elijah says to Elisha, hey, hey, I need to go to Jericho. And, and Elisha and Elijah says to Elisha, you need to stay right here, and, and I'm going to go down to Jericho. And Elisha says, no, 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 I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. And in the last place, Elijah says, hey, I need to go over on the other side of the Jordan. And Elisha says, and Elijah tells, you just stay over here. And Eli Elisha says, no, 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 I'm going to follow you. And the minute they cross over the Jordan, Elijah turns to Elisha, and he says, what do you want from me? Now, I think this is really interesting because Elisha had to cross the Jordan before he was posed with the question of what he wanted. And oftentimes, we want God to tell us what we can get on this side of the Jordan when God is saying, you need to get on the other side of the Jordan and use some faith before you can even ask that question. And Elijah turns to him and says, what do you want from me? And I love how Elijah with just, you know, he's not timid, man. He knows exactly what he wants from God, exactly what he wants from Elijah. And he says, Elijah, I want a double portion. I want two times of what you got. Come on, are you that bold with God? We got to get bold with God. He's looking for some people that will pray some prayers that'll shift heaven. That'll shift family. That'll shift the business world. That'll shift the marketplace. Some dangerous prayers. That's what Elisha said. Elisha said, I want two times of what you got. And then something really cool happens, which would be a great way to go to heaven. A chariot comes out of the sky. Come on, somebody. 
Would that be an incredible way? Do you think old Uncle Tom would, would, come, would get saved if he saw a chariot coming out of heaven and picking you up with horses with flames of fire coming out of their eyeballs and took you on up? They, they get saved right on the spot. I mean, they, they would, all your family would get saved. All your friends would be like, oh my gosh, look at that. But on the way up, Elijah drops his mantle and Elisha grabs it. The mantle represented the ministry or the anointing that was on Elijah transferring onto Elisha. And he got his double portion. And you know the first thing he did? Listen, the first thing he did, first thing he did is he went right to the Jordan River and he took out that mantle and he slapped the river and the river split and he walked right across it. Jacob, Jacob, deceiver, had stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. Follow me here. And he's at the Jordan River. And he's afraid because Esau's coming to meet him. And God shows up. And he starts having a wrestling match with God. And the sun's about to come up. And God says, hey, I need to go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until I get what I, what, what, you do, what, what I deserve from you. I, I want this blessing in my life. And so he holds on to him. And see, the transition happens because God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, from deceiver to prince of God at the Jordan River. It's a place of transition. It's where oftentimes God introduces you to the new you. John the Baptist was baptizing people. And he was told by God that the guy who shows up, whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon, he's the Messiah. So one day John is dunking people, bloop, bloop, dunking them. And this guy walks up and he goes, that's the Messiah. And Jesus steps in, he baptizes him, the Spirit of God comes like a dove, sets upon him and remains upon him. And a voice out of heaven says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. You know the interesting thing about this? Jesus had not done one thing. Had not done one thing except Jesus was the carpenter's son and now became God's son. Transition. The Jordan also takes faith. It requires faith. See, if you want to possess something, you got to pursue it. you got to stop wishing for it. you got to stop talking about it. You got to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, quit talking about starting that business. Get out and do it, man. Take that step that you need to take, whatever that means. Make, make the move. Faith is action. Faith isn't just wishing. Faith isn't just praying. It's a part of praying, but it's not just praying. Faith without works is dead faith. It's dead faith. It's inactive faith. It's paralyzed faith. It's atrophied faith. It's, you've, got, you've got to work your faith like a muscle. You've got to co continually work at doing stuff, little things, just the little things, little steps that you need to make in order to take those big leaps across the gap that looks like you're going to die because it's going to be dangerous on the other side. God told the Israelites, listen, there are giants over there. There's some enemies over there. You're going to have to face some problems, some challenges. It's not going to be easy, but it's better for you to be over there. See, if you really believe that God has something better for you then you'll take some faith and act on it and do something significant make that change 
Let's keep reading with the story. Let's keep going. Verse 2, it says, so it was after three days, everybody say three days, days. that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the presence of God, your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse 3, verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, about 3,000 and so feet by measure. Do not come near it. You don't want to get near it too close to the presence of God, that you may know the way by which you must go. And I love this statement here, for you have not passed this way before. Because in order to get something new, you can't do it by old ways. This Jordan River represents something new for all of us. And by the way, you're going to have many Jordan Rivers in your life. One Red Sea, many Jordan Rivers. One time of deliverance. But there's going to be many times where you're going to receive the inheritance that God has for you over and over and over again. You've been given an assignment, and there's new levels and new layers to that assignment. See, let me just take a little side road real quick, because I think sometimes we confuse purpose with position. We think that if I'm not in the position that lines with my purpose, that I'm not in my purpose. Your purpose doesn't necessarily equate to your position. Just because you're doing something over here doesn't detract from what God's purpose is for your life. We'll quit on God's purpose because we feel like we're not positioned right. It's okay. God can can move you in a second. Just keep focused. Your purpose is not built on what you do. It's who you are. And sometimes you got to pass a way that you haven't ever been before. Verse 5, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In In this verse, Joshua gives two directives on crossing the Jordan. He gives them two very simple things to do that I want to share with you today that I think will help you. The first is he says, follow God. Everybody say, follow God. He says to them, he says to them, this is the message paraphrase of verse three, says, when you see the covenant chest, which is the ark of the covenant of God, this, this was, the ark was the, the, the presence of God. It symbolized where God would come down and meet with his people. It was where the fire went out to lead them. It was where the cloud came out of in order for them to be covered and protected. It was where the priests went in and got the directions for the people. It's where Moses went in order to connect with God. It was where God's presence was. And so, so the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was this, was this powerful thing. And so it says, when you see the covenant chest of God carried by the Levitical priest, start moving, follow it. Follow after God. This is important when it comes to crossing your Jordan. We can't just follow trends and expect to go where God wants us to be. We got to follow God. Now, there were three things inside of the Ark, three things that give us some help on understanding how to follow God. The first was a pot of manna. Now, if you know the story, manna, just to describe what manna is, is little chicken minis from Chick-fil-A that flew out of the sky. They tasted heavenly. They had butter on them and little chicken inside of it. And, and I'm just trying to get you to understand and, and, and it came every day. God said, hey, listen, they, you know, the, the Israelites came out of Egypt. They were complaining. He says, I'm going to take care of some water. Now I'm going to give you some food. And every day, little chicken minis would fall out of heaven. Six days a week. This is true. Six, Sunday through Friday, it would come out. And then one day off, 
One day he was closed. <laughs> Just like Chick-fil-A. One day they're closed. That's why you have to store up for two days. Y'all following me? Come on, help me out here. Y'all know what I'm talking about online. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But every day, now here's what would happen to the children of Israel. They got, they, they, the, the manna would fall. They would go out in the morning. They would collect it all. They would take it back to their houses. They put it in the refrigerator. They put it in the, out in the garage refrigerator. They put it out underneath their bed. They put it in the pantry. Not knowing that God was going to pour it out again. And they wake up the next morning. All of it was rotten and worms all in it. And they go, what's going on? Because God told them, I'm going to take care of you every day. Because following God is trusting every day. Every day trusting him. Trusting that he's going to take care of you tomorrow. Trusting that he's going to take care of you the next day. Living right now, realizing that God's got it taken care of tomorrow. This is my new favorite verse, Matthew 6, 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I love this part. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Some of y'all didn't even sleep last night because you're worried about next Tuesday. You're worried about that meeting you have. God's going to take care of it. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. He'll take care of you. But you got to trust him every day. Just take care of it today. Well, well, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? Hey, just, just keep doing what God told you today. He'll tell you something new tomorrow. And if you wake up and he hadn't told you anything, just do what you did yesterday. That's the way I've lived my life for the entire, ever since I've been a Christian, that's how I've lived my life. Is just wake up. Okay, God, what you want me to do today? Come on, let's do it. And then, then I go to bed. And, and I, you know, I can sleep a lot better at night because I'm not worrying about tomorrow. Don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God's got it. Following God is trusting him every day. The second thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant was this rod of Aaron's that had budded, budded, blossomed, and produced fruit on it. See, what had happened is the Israelites started complaining about who was leading them. And so Moses, under the direction of God, came to the children of Israel and said, all right, 12 tribes, 12 leaders, each of you take a rod Bring it before God. We'll see what he does with it. And whichever one grows will be the one, the group, the family, the leader who will lead us in our spiritual connection with God. And so they took 12 rods. They put them before the presence of God. They went to bed. They woke up the next morning. And one rod out of the 12 budded, blossomed, and produced fruit. And it was Aaron's rod. Because following God is knowing you're chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. You are God's masterpiece. The Bible tells us that you, you and I, we are the apple of his eye. Listen to me, listen to me. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He poured out all of his wrath on his son Jesus 2,000 years ago. When Jesus didn't just... Just take sin upon himself. He became sin and defeated death, rose from the dead so that you and I do not have to live any longer in our sin. That when we go to God and confess our sin, 
it is, it is completely washed away. Not covered, washed away. As far as the east is from the west, God remembers your sin no more. You are not a failure because you failed last year. You are not a failure because you messed up last year. No, you are the chosen of God. You are the chosen. Listen to Ephesians 1 verse 4. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. Think about that for a second. Think about the reality that before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God had a plan for your life. Before the earth started moving on its axis, God had already set into place your life. That's how much he cares about you. He had settled on us as the focus of his love. God loves us so much. He's a father who loves you, loves you so much, and he has something better for you, so much better. The third thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments, the word of God. Because following God is obedience to his word. It's obedience, obedience. Now, I've been in ministry, pastoring this church for 16 years. My wife and I started this church 16 years ago with about 30 people in a school I've been in ministry probably for 25 years. And the thing about America, and I, I've been all over the world, I mean, just uh, what an honor to, to do it. But one thing about the American church is we have far out-educated our obedience. We know a lot more than we do. And all we want is more knowledge. When the truth is, if we could just do the little bit that we know, we want God to bless us. God, I'll bless me financially, but we're not even tithing. Yeah. We want God to bless our relationship. Lord, bless my relationship, but we're having sex outside of wedlock. Yeah. Just the little things that we can do, just the little steps of obedience that we can have can change everything. Yeah. We far out-educated our obedience. We, we want God. I want God's will for my life, but we never even read a scripture. We haven't spent any time in the Word. We're wanting God to speak to us. And listen, you got 1,600 pages in front of you that God is speaking consistently. How about we open the Scriptures this year and say, God, speak to me and start reading the Bible? What if, what if every day you went to God first thing in the morning and said, God, speak to me. You open the Scriptures. I promise you He will speak to you. If, you ha if you're looking for a sign, a word from God... Listen, don't just be bouncing around from church to church to church to church. Look, just settle yourself somewhere. Plant yourself. Get in the word of God and start obeying what he said to you to do yesterday. Just do it. Just go for it. You don't need to talk about it anymore. Come on, is this too strong? We got to just obey what we know. Look, I know what's going to happen today. For, for many of us, we're going to go out of this service and we're going to go, ah, that was okay message. I give it like a 6.3 out of 10, 6.3 stars. And we're going to go listen to 12 other podcasts over the next week, but not do any of it. And then get upset at the church saying, we're not getting fed. No, you're getting fed plenty. We just got to start doing what's being fed in us. We got to start doing some stuff. Here's what the Bible says. Oh, here's what Joshua said. He said the second thing. He said the second thing we need to do, the second directive is clean yourself up. 
Listen to Joshua 3, 5. It says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Everybody say sanctify. That's a big old Bible word. I'll explain it for you in a second. It says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The word sanctify means to consecrate or separate yourself. I, I like this definition. Remove from common use. Remove from common use. Pull yourself out from the common. This is why we do this fast every year. Is we want to pull ourselves away from the world, the influence of the, of the flesh, basically. You are a spirit. All of us are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul. Everybody say, I am a spirit. Am a spirit. Now, this is important to understand because, you know, you might not have had a good hair day, but that's not really you. Your spirit man, your spirit woman, who you are on the inside, you had a good hair day today, and your shoes match your purse. It looks good. Everything looks good. It may not look good right now on the outside because that's your flesh. And because we live in a fallen world... That's why we see the negative and the hurt and the pain because we live in a world that's still full of sin. One day when Jesus comes back, the final coming back, the final return of Christ, all of that's going to be changed. And guess what? You're going to get a brand new body, a body that you can eat as many carbs as you want. You can eat cheesecake every time you want. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do and you look good. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to look good. You're going to look real, real good, real good. But right now, right now, there's a battle that's waging, even in your body right now. There's a battle between your flesh and your spirit. You are a spirit. When you, when you accept Jesus Christ, your spirit is born again. It becomes brand new. It's unlocked. However, you still got this flesh that you have to carry around with you for however long you're on this planet or until Jesus comes back. And this flesh wants to be fed. This flesh wants food. It wants to be, it wants, it, 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 wants, it wants everything against what the spirit wants. It, it, it wants, it wants all, it wants to be happy all the time. And it will betray you. Your flesh will betray you. It'll betray your spirit. What a fast does is it feeds the spirit and denies the flesh. And you do that by different things, like, like fasting food. You, you pull food out of your diet. Because here's the thing. It's about 1134. Something's happening right now on the inside of you. You're starting to think about it. I mentioned chicken minis. Now you've gone down that road. Where are we going to go to lunch today? What are we going to eat today? What did you make? Is there anything left in the refrigerator? What can I have? Maybe we can stop on the way home. I really like some pizza. I'd love a burger right now. Man, it's Sunday. Is it a cheat day? I mean, I can do what I want today. I'll have some french fries. We just start thinking about that because at about 11 to about 1 o'clock, that's all we think about is food. And this is going to happen again at 5 o'clock. I wonder if I could eat this. And I, I better eat healthy, but I better eat this. this and, then I did better. and we get hungry because our flesh wants to eat. And then again about 10 o'clock, and you have to decide right then, am I going to eat something right before I go to bed? Because I might wake up at three o'clock and want something else, and then the next it's going to, uh, the, the cycle repeats over and over again. But if you can just remove that and deny your flesh that, and when you would be eating, you would be sowing food into your spirit, reading the Bible, spending time worshiping God, listening to a podcast, listening to a preaching, getting on the Freedom House website, going to YouTube channel, watching some some preaching, some good 
Bible-based, serving God, serving other people. You're filling your spirit, man. Because whatever you feed is going to dominate. If you keep feeding your flesh, social media is a flesh feeder. It's a flesh feeder. I know you like posting selfies. I know you look cute. Everybody knows you look cute. But we're so concerned about whether they like us or or post a comment on there or put something on there for us. And so we keep going back and back and back. What if you just remove that? And the time that those hour and a half, two hours you would spend on social media, you read the scripture. Now, is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. Because your flesh is going to say, I want Instagram. I want Instagram. I want cheesecake. I want whatever it may be. You're denying yourself. But here's what the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 5. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Your flesh is dominated by your sinful nature. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. How do you become controlled by the Holy Spirit? By feeding yourself, feeding your spirit, man. So seven days. Seven days. Just take seven days. Decide right now, I want to deny myself of something that's feeding my flesh, that's keeping me connected to the world. And I, 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 want, I want to feed my spirit, man, and watch what God can do. Just in seven days, your life can be changed. So let me ask you again. Do you believe God has something better for you? Do you really believe it? Are you fully persuaded, fully convinced? Then let's take that leap. And we can do it together. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Stand up. And I want to pray with you before you leave today. I want to pray with you online before you shut the computer down, shut your phone down. I want to pray with you because I believe that many of you are standing on the edge of your own personal Jordan River. And you can take that leap today. Take that step of faith because you really believe. If you are fully persuaded, you want to leave that old life behind. You want to leave that old sinful self behind. I want to pray for you today. Maybe maybe today is your Red Sea experience. That one time where you need to be delivered from yourself. You need to be delivered from your past life. And let it go, man. Just, Just walk away from it. And experience the inheritance God has for you. The better that God has for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count the three in just a second. With every head up, everybody looking around. Do a little different today. Everybody looking around. Because if you'll confess Jesus before people, Jesus will confess you before his Father. So let's make a declaration today. And then we're going to sing this song one more time. Because I think this is an awesome song. Let's make a declaration that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna accept, walk out, take that leap. Come on, just pretend like you're that 12-year-old kid that's going to jump over that gap. It's dangerous. It looks scary. That new business looks scary. That, that new life looks scary. That being a man in the marriage looks scary. That, that being a, a, a mother when it's tough is scary. But I'm going to take that leap. I'm going to leave that old mindset, leave some people behind cross over the Jordan together. When I count to three, just raise your hand. You say, that's me. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Say, I want to step out and faith. Lift the other hand to heaven. Lift the other hand to heaven. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every person who has the guts to step out, who has the guts to decide, I am going to change my life forever. 
This is more than just a, a resolution, God. This is a revolution. A revolution in my life that I'm going to cross the Jordan today. I'm going to make that step, make that leap. There is nothing too hard for you, God. You're going to do wonders in my life. In Jesus' name. Pray this out loud. Come on, everybody say it together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that His blood forgives me, washes me clean of all my sin, all my mistakes. Today, I know, God, you're splitting the river, and I'm walking across. I'm crossing over into the better you have for me in Jesus' name. Come on, shout yes if you believe that today. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.